As we have talked about churches, uh, we, we have found out that churches are closing faster in America, so fast that we cannot plant churches fast enough to replace the need of the churches in those, uh, of the communities, uh, the churches in those communities. Those communities need churches, and we can't, uh, we can't plant them fast enough to replace that need. So the reason that I've been going through how uh, will the church survive, life support will the church survive, is because the question is how do we reverse this? How do we reverse? This is not about planting more churches per se. That's one thing that we need to do. That's, that's why we're here. But it's also about uh, seeing churches that are already there. How do they stay strong? And how do we stay strong as we grow and as we go into the future that we can be here for a long time. So we want to, we, we're really looking at some of the ways that we can do that. And in the first, the first week we talked about that it takes the whole, ter- whole church, not just a single person, not just a pastor, or not just an elder or an individual. Uh, you know, as we talked about, sometimes in churches there's that one person that everybody looks to, typically it's a pastor, but in some communities it may be somebody who has you know, uh, a little bit of wealth, and they're the ones who put all the money into the church, so everybody looks to them, and they're the ones who have to take care of it. But it takes the whole church, the whole body. And then last week, we talked about having strong, biblically-based families, and those biblically-based families make strong churches. If we can have families that are strong at home, then our churches will be strong also, because the church is a family. And today, my question is, Will the church survive me? Will the church survive me? If you're following on the back of your uh, worship handout there, uh, you can fill in the blanks, take notes, and you can also follow along on the uh, Unlimited Church app with uh, the scripture verses that we'll be going through this morning. As we talked about, the church is made up of a body that we call the church family. And that body is made up of families, and each family, though, is made up of individuals. So each family is made up of one individual plus one individual, and then so on and so forth. Some families like mine have, you know, six or more, and then some may have, you know, just a couple uh, in in that family. So the church is made up with with, uh, many individuals, or as I want to refer to them this morning, me's. A lot of me's are in families. It has to be. The, the first thing on your, on your handout there is my opinions, feelings, desires, and needs must line up with God's will. And I want to talk to you about that this morning because when we're talking about me, we have to understand that my opinions, feelings, desires, and needs must line up with God's will. When people start dealing with me, things can get really tricky. There are opinions, feelings, and desires and needs, and many times it's hard for me to decipher which are more important or which ones are necessary because my feelings, my desires, and my needs and opinions are a lot more important to me. That's what's important to me. So don't mess with them. Don't mess with them because when you mess with them, you may offend me. You may offend me if you mess with my opinion. If you don't agree with where I'm coming from, you may offend me. If you don't 
see the need that I have and do something about it, you may offend me. Do you understand that I feel a certain way? You may offend me. It makes me feel like nobody cares. It makes me unhappy that every person doesn't feel that what I want or need is, a, is really that important. They think that their opinions, feelings, and desires and needs are more important than mine. But I know that mine are more important. I know that. When we look at the church today and we say, what is really going on in the church? We are so concerned with me. We see this because as Clay and I was talking this morning, 28 times out of the year, you remember me saying this before, 28 times out of the year is how many times a person who says faith in Christ is important to them goes to church. That's the average, 28 times a year. So you get two of those around Christmas and Thanksgiving, and then you get about 26 more, right? The other thing is, when we look at how, how much time that people that say that their faith in God is important to them, how much time they spend in prayer and Bible study. And the average is well below two minutes a day combined when people say that faith is important to me. Because a lot of times faith gets in the way of our opinions feelings, desires, and needs. Number two on your, on your list there. When my stuff is more important than God's will, it hurts me. When my stuff is more important than God's will, it hurts me. Now let's look at a story of a young man that Jesus encountered and what he had to say to him. And we're going to see this in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. Mark 10, 17 through 22, and here's how it goes. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Immediately, Jesus already knows what's going on. I mean, this guy's trying to butter him up. Hey, good teacher, you know, he's, just, he's trying to butter him up. But... In, instead, Jesus is at first is like, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. See, I think Jesus at first when he sees this guy as it said, he goes, why do you call me good? I think he's looking at him a little bit going, you know, you're just trying to butter me up here. But right here it says that looking at him, Jesus felt love for him. Jesus cared about this man and his well-being. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. You see, to me, everything that I have or think is most important. When Jesus told this man to sell his possessions, give it away, and then leave everything to follow 
Jesus immediately, he went away sad. He couldn't wrap his mind around getting rid of all the important stuff in his life. The stuff that was more important than what the master wanted for him. He had to hold on to it. He had to hold on to it to his detriment. As I said just a minute ago, when my stuff is more important than God's will, it hurts me. This was to his detriment. It hurt him because his stuff was more important than God's will. Just like this man, when I put what I have, what I want, what I desire in front of God's will, then it hurts me. If I'm not where I need to be in God's will, then as an individual, it hurts the church. I can't be effective and be a part of the body that the church needs me to be. I become useless to the body. I don't care if I'm a part of the church, except for when it benefits me. The church is just something I don't have any commitment to if it comes between me and my stuff. You see, when we, when we think about this, and we think about this young man, Jesus came between him and his stuff, and it hurt him. And when we allow stuff to come between us and God, because we are an individual made up in the family, the church family, it hurts the church because we can't be effective. We can't do the things that we need to do. We can't be the, the hands or the feet. We can't be the arms or the knees or the elbows that we need to be for the church because we have allowed our stuff to come between us and God. Number three, when my wants and desires are contrary to God's, I will hurt the church. And originally I put, I may hurt the church. But the more that I was thinking about this and studying, I'm like, no, I will hurt the church. When my wants and desires are contrary to God's, I will hurt the church. You see, in the book of Joshua, the Israelites were winning battle after battle. And it came to them so easy because God was with them, because God was the one orchestrating it. And one man, because he possessed what God said that he did not want anyone to possess, brought a terrible loss to the Israelites in battle. And they were going up against a foe that there was, they said, we're going to defeat them. This is going to be easy. It's going to be simple. There's going to be nothing to it. We're going to take them down, and this is going to be a great victory. But because of this one man, and this man's name was Achan, because of his wants and his desires, he brought destruction to the Israelite army. What he wanted caused hundreds of people to lose their lives, and it put the whole nation in danger. They were scared. They said, when they lost this battle, they said, everybody's going to see that we lost. We've been winning all these battles, but now we can be defeated. Now they're going to come after us. All of our enemies now are going to come after us. They were scared, and they fell down before the Lord. And the Lord had to purge purge that area, had to get rid of the things that were happening. But it was because of one person. 
it was because of one person that they lost that battle. My unhealthy desires, my unhealthy wants do the same thing to the church. Exactly what was going on with Achan. You know, it is so easy for us to talk about people in the Bible like we would never do something like that. You know, we, we always call poor Doubting Thomas, you know, right? We call him Doubting Thomas. But, you know, we never talk about it. What if I was Thomas? Maybe I would doubt. We always like to look at these biblical characters. What a, Man, what an idiot. Who would even think to do something like that? And when we look at Achan, we can't say, Oh, well, of course. We don't know. We're not there. We're here. And what we have to understand is that when we allow our unhealthy desires and wants to be strong in our lives and not allow God to take over that, then we hurt the church just like Achan hurt the Israelites. When I'm willing to hold on to the things that God is not happy with or has told me in his word that is wrong, that he doesn't want me to have, that then I bring problems on the whole church family. Will the church survive me? Will the church survive me? You see, we always will talk about certain things that go on in church, but what goes on outside of church? What goes on in our lives outside of church? Like we talked about, the average Christian, the average person who says faith in Christ is important to them, spends less than two minutes a day in prayer and Bible study. Because that's not important. Is that important to me? Because am I allowing unhealthy desires and wants to do that in my life? Because if I am, then I am hurting the church just like Achan did. Because Achan had unhealthy desires and wants and was disobedient to God. And through that, he hurt the Israelites, and we do the same. I've seen churches with hundreds of people destroyed over one person's desire that they put above the health of the church. Sometimes it's, it's a pastor, and, and, and he does something he shouldn't do. And sometimes it's an individual. I know a church that was running close to 1,000 people because of one woman. Today, they barely run 20 people because of her unhealthy desires and her unhealthy wants and what she felt like was she needed and what she needed to have and why she was important. One person, just like Achan, can cause catastrophic destruction to the whole church. Can the church survive me? Am I willing to do what it takes to see each person around me become spiritually stronger and closer to the Lord? Am I willing to give up what is important to me so that God can do in others what he needs? Or is what I want, need, and desire so important that I am willing to bring destruction on the whole church? You know, this week in our elders' meeting, it was brought to my attention something that I, me, Adam, had posted on social media. Now, there was nothing inherently wrong with what I had posted. There was nothing sinful about it. But the negative effect it could have on the church in our community to reach people was important. Now, as it was brought to my attention, I could have said, you know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I was accurate. I wasn't mean. I was just factual. 
But instead, I looked at it and I said, you know, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. I'm a member of a great church, and what I've posted on social media could be taken wrong, and it could hurt those people, and then in return, hurt Unlimited Church and our ability to reach the people with the salvation of Jesus. So, you know, I went online, and I deleted the comments. I deleted that stuff because I was, you know, because that was brought to my attention. I could have been more concerned about me, right? I could have said, no, 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 I, I didn't do anything wrong. It's okay. I can do what I want to do. But there's a bigger picture, and we have to understand that in this world, there's a bigger picture than me. There's a bigger picture than me. It's not up to me to be right. It's up to me to listen to God and make sure that I am a strong part of my church. We all want to be right, but it's not up to me to be right. Because sometimes I'm right in my eyes, but I'm not right in other people's eyes. But the me wants to always be right. Now, as I talked about, you're going to hear today in this message the word me. Now, I wanted to use this word as opposed to you because this message is for all of us. And we have to look inward at ourselves and ask, will the church survive me? That includes me. And that's why I wanted us to think of it that way. Now, if we say no, it won't, then we need to find out why. Why will the church not survive me? And then we need to give that to God. And we need to find a way to become stronger in the Lord and let our wants, needs, desires, our feelings come down here and stop elevating them to be up here. When we get to heaven, those opinions, those wants and desires and needs, none of it will matter. What will matter is when Jesus says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, now I will make you ruler over many things. That's all that's going to matter. In this earth, and I think in America, for sure, the desire to want more and to need more and have our, have our wants and our opinions looked at in a positive manner and agreed on and our wants to be fulfilled is strong because of the country that we live in. In other countries where we have less and where we see the church actually growing because they don't have that. In China, where it is, it is still illegal to have church the way we have church in most areas. But the church is growing because the persecution helps, in my opinion, helps these people to not focus on the me, but to focus on the we. And to focus on what God has for them and for the salvation of other people. And that's where we need to be. That's where we need to focus. Because when we get to heaven, we want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now in Matthew 25, 41 through 45. 25, 41 through 45. Jesus said, 
The king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And his answer will be, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. I don't want that to happen when I get to heaven. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be said to me. See, it can be hard for us to get out of the way of me and be who God wants me to be. But I want to hear him say, well done. Well done. You did it. I want to look at the people that are surrounding me and that are there, and I can go, oh, yeah, I know this person. I told them about Jesus. Or I know this person. I helped them get closer to the Lord. Or I helped them get in ministry. Oh, I know these youth because I gave them Bibles and I gave them Christmas presents. That's what I want. When I get up there, I want to be able to look around and say, no, this was what it was about. It wasn't about me. It was about all these people right here. And when I got finished, get finished with me, then yes. And I realize that they are what is important. Those lives are what is important. Sometimes I have to keep my opinion to myself because it doesn't matter. And all it will do is harm and not good. It's hard. We have opinions. We want to say them. We want to talk about them. We want to put them out there. And then we want people to agree with them. If you have an opinion opinion, and you don't want people to agree with you on it, then why have an opinion? We want that to happen. But sometimes we just got to say, you know what? It doesn't matter because it's going to do more harm than good. There are a lot of things I want and I desire, but that does not make make it right. Doesn't mean it's right for me to have it. Doesn't mean that I need it. If it means seeing people make it to heaven and I don't get those things, then I'm perfectly fine with that. Each of us that are here today has needs. But if we put ourselves under God's hand, he will take care of it. He will supply our needs just as he promised. We can believe that. We can believe that. Dealing with me is difficult. It's tricky. But if I can get past me, maybe I can get something done. Maybe I can touch somebody's life. Maybe I can do something that will affect somebody for eternity. Let's deal with me this morning. Let's deal with me this morning so that we can be what God has called us to be so that the church can survive, so that we can say, yes, the church can survive me. Let's pray. Lord, I know me and sometimes I just get in the way. 
Lord, sometimes I say things and do things that are just not the way they should be said or done. Lord, I want to be right. I want my opinion to be sought after. That's the human way. But Lord, don't allow me to get in the way of you. Don't allow me to get into a position that hurts the church. The church is made up of individuals, and I am one of those individuals. But don't let me be an Achan, one that brings destruction to the church because I have to have something that I shouldn't have. My wants and my desires, don't let them be contrary to your will, God, because I don't want to hurt the church. Don't let my stuff be more important than you, God, and your will, because I know at that point, just like the young man who came to Jesus, he was hurt. It was to his detriment. And when I allow stuff to become more important than you, then I get hurt. Lord, that my opinions and my feelings, desires, and needs, Lord, I pray that they will line up with your will. With your will. Lord, that I can encourage people and touch people's lives and not hurt people instead. That I can listen to you and I can be effective because I do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our church. Lord, help us be the church that survives the future. That people look to and say that's the kind of church that we want to be. Thank you, Jesus.